Welcome to the Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me as always is Mr. Nick Hogel. Nick, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It is a wonderful time over here. It's a little bit uh, little bit challenging though right now with your new time change, so it's a little bit later for me because uh, now we're instead of 13 hours apart, what, 14, 14 hours apart now? So a um, little bit later for me, but always excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, it's it's like the time changed and the weather changed here. I went away for a couple of weeks, which which we'll get into. And I came back and all of a sudden the weather changed and the time was different. <laughs> it was like, whoa, I'm coming back to a whole different world now. So now we're farther apart. Obviously, you're in Malaysia, in Penang, and I'm in Austin, Texas. But we're going to continue to make it work through the uh, winter months as you experience the other side of winter. And we get nice and chilly and cold and water turnover and all that stuff. I've heard so many divers say, I'm hanging up for the season. Like, no, like, don't do it. Don't hang it up for the season. Like, you can still dive. Like, um, but I think it's kind of wrapping up for a lot of folks that don't want to feel the cold. Cause I mean, it's not just the cold in the water. You and I were out there in what, January for a full week. And there was the cold in the water. And then when you're on the surface, it's actually colder, I feel like, when you're on the surface than when you're oh, in the water. Oh, definitely. Sometimes. Definitely. You know, I am uh, not going to lie. I am not missing that cold texas weather and it's funny too because it's not even really that cold in texas compared to a lot of other places in the united states but i am definitely not missing those winter months it's still relatively warm over here which is really nice we're uh, definitely getting some rain it's been raining quite a bit uh, but to be completely honest you know what i am so excited about and i didn't even think about this until like a week ago um, this is actually the time of year for me, which I absolutely dread being in Texas because this is kind of the start of the cedar allergy season. And this is the time of year when I'm just absolutely trash. Usually it starts around, you know, end of November going sometimes through February. And I am just the most miserable person in the world because I just have absolutely horrible, horrible reaction to cedar. And no, I am so so glad that I'm not there right now. So I'm not I'm not envious of you in the cold weather because uh, it's it's still shorts and t-shirt weather out here, which I'm very very much loving. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can hear it in my voice. I got a little bit of a cough. For for those of you that don't know what cedar fever is, cedar. There's a lot of cedar in Central Texas, especially around the Austin area. And they, when they go to pollinate, they give off off gas, right? Um, and you know, it's kind of a hazy gas, and because there's so much of it, it kind of settles into the air, and it, you know, it doesn't work well with a lot of humans. I think the longer that you're you live in this place, the worse it gets for you. Oh, there's some 100%. sort of like you're immune for a couple of years and then all of a sudden it starts to get worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, I've, I've heard that from lots of people and what it feels like is basically like, you know, uh, you're a, fl a flu type thing. Uh, you know, you can get a little bit of a fever, but you know, runny nose, itchy eyes, tired, so on and so forth. So yeah, that's, yeah we're getting absolutely. ready for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it didn't hit me for the first couple of years I lived there and then just, the last couple of years that I was there is that that's why I 
aggressively. I always tried to leave that this time of year because I absolutely just was miserable. I mean, I couldn't even function at work. It was so bad. And um, yeah, I definitely don't miss that. But uh, yeah, still still beautiful weather out here in Malaysia. <laughs> Come visit. Nice. <laughs> I uh, plan to. Well, I think for this episode, I just got back from a from a pretty long trip. A few weeks, uh, you know, 21 days, something like that, uh, away or 20, 20 days. And part of that trip was attending DEMA, which is the um, the kind of trade show for diving in general. And so this year it was held in Orlando and I, uh, I drove from Austin all the way to Orlando uh, in one shot, which is a funny story and, and getting back was a funny story as well. <clears throat> but the uh, I just got back and I think we're going to dedicate this, call this our DEMA 2022 show uh, and just to talk about what I experienced uh, and what I saw and you know, compare that to ADEX and all that stuff. So, excuse me, really looking forward to talking about DEMA in some ways, but uh, but also kind of sharing my experience as it went. So, you ready to jump into this uh, DEMA 2022 episode? Oh, let's dive right in. And I'm actually, you know, quite quite excited to hear about what was going on there because I've actually never been to DEMA. Um, so, I'm, you know, just kind of excited to see if there's any I saw obviously a lot of posts on it, um, social media, otherwise some some arguments going on, which is kind of funny to see uh, in, in the whole DEMA world. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see if there's any any new and exciting product out there that might, you know, catch my eye. I'm always not that I want. It's, it's, it's never more of it's never a need, more of a want. So I'm sure there's going to be something that I want to buy just because it's new and shiny. And it has to do with diving. So looking forward to this episode. A podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table with your hosts, Nick Hogel and Jay Gardner. All right, Nick, I literally just got back a couple of days ago from my trip out to Florida where it was nice and warm and, you know, sandals and shorts and t-shirts. And I survived hurricane Nicole. So that was an interesting thing that we can talk about. And I think we're going to do another episode where we talk about, you know, the, the technical training that I was out there for, for, for a week, but this episode's focused on DEMA and DEMA took place in Orlando the first week of November and I was invited to go as part of the UTD team and also as a new professional in the scuba verse. So I was pretty excited about it because I'd heard a lot about it before. And so I I, uh, I I just got back and I have a lot of thoughts to share. So maybe we can start with some of the expectations that I had while going there. Well, so first, the first expect- uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask how was how was the drive out there because I've actually never done that drive from Texas to Florida. I've heard about it like twelve hours or something. So it was it was sixteen and a half via Google oh, wow. Maps, and uh, it, it's kind of weird because it was Halloween was the setup day, and then November first was the first day of the show, okay. and so you had to make a call on when you're going to go. And I decided to drive. I, I had actually bought plane tickets, but at the not last minute, a few weeks before I decided to drive out there because I really wanted the flexibility 
of having my vehicle uh, and all my gear and not having to fly all my gear in for my tech one class. So um, I decided to drive 16 hours. That's what it said. <laughs> so I left here in Austin early, early in the morning. And I actually made a stop in Louisiana and Lafayette, Louisiana, and met up with a friend of mine. Um, and he was actually letting uh, some of the other team members that I was meeting up with in, in Florida borrow some gear. So I stopped. Uh, we had lunch, you know, jumped back in the truck and drove. At the end of the day, it took me 19 and a half hours because I hit some traffic and hit some construction. Ooh. So I left Austin, I think, like 630 in the morning. And you lose an hour because you're moving from central time zone to eastern time zone. And I think I pulled in around 2.45, 3 in the morning in Orlando. So it was it was not super bad except for if you've ever driven through Florida on the Florida Turnpike, it's kind of a two-lane road surrounded by beautiful trees. But at night, all you see is a two-lane road and headlights coming at you and brake lights in front of you. <laughs> so it's pretty numbing drive. Um, and so, yeah, it was a 19-hour drive I did in a straight shot. Coming back, I did a 20-hour drive in a straight shot, which somehow felt better than the 19-hour drive on the way out there. I don't recommend it. I mean, I literally was you know, eating power bars and pulling over to the side of the road. <laughs> Excuse me, pulling over to the side of the road to, to use the restroom, not really – stopping to eat or anything, you know, just straight, straight through as fast as you can. Uh, that's an endurance test. So yeah, the drive out there was good. Just long. And I was yeah. very tired when I got there. I definitely don't. Uh, I mean, I guess the long road trips can be quite, you know, I haven't done Texas to Florida, but I've, I've done some pretty long road trips. And uh, I, you know, as I got older, I've done California to Texas quite a few times. Um, and I think that's like 16, 14 hour, or I can't remember exactly how much it's, it's a long trip, Texas, to California, Southern California to Texas. And, uh, uh, I definitely am not, I don't want to say a huge fan, but I can't do the drive straight through anymore. Like what I usually end up doing is, you know, if I know it's going to be more than 10 or 12 hours, what I end up doing is I'll just stop for the night just because I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I've actually you know, we'll talk about it on another, another episode, but I've been in some, some horrible experiences falling asleep at the road and stuff like that, trying to pull those all nighters. So I'm, I just, am not a fan of those anymore. Um, but yeah, especially like that last part of the drive, cause you don't even get to see the countryside. And, and I don't know if that last part of the drive getting into Florida, but I feel like the Everglades would be nice, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but yeah, that's uh that's, that's quite the jaunt of a road trip for sure. Yeah, I, I don't recommend it, but it was for me at least the the least bad option. And if I had stopped, then I would miss the start of the show. You know, it was if I left earlier than that, then I'd miss Halloween with my kids. So it was one of those situations where you're like rocking a hard place and <clears throat> just decided to, to muscle through it. But uh, I would say my Dima trip. And in general, the travel was sponsored by Monster. Uh, so thanks, Monster, for keeping me awake the whole time. <laughs> Literally, before I left, my wife had left me <clears throat> a little case of Monster to throw in the truck. And I was like, oh, that's really thoughtful. Thank you. And then I was like 
thank goodness you did this. You know, as I'm drinking the monsters, as a, you know, trying to stay awake. And it's actually kind of a funny – or not funny story. It was kind of scary. The last – it seems like the last hour or two hours <clears throat> is the worst. So you see it clicked down and you're like, finally like, oh, I'm under – I'm sub three hours. I can do this. You know, no big deal the very end. But that's when your eyes, when everything starts to get really tired. I was listening to like audiobooks and old-time radio shows and all this stuff to keep me awake. And I was struggling with like two hours left, hour and a half, something like that. I was really struggling. And as you're driving along, I saw on the side of the road some lights and things. And there was barely anybody out on the road. And I'm looking over to my right. And all of a sudden, bam, I hit something. Oof. And I was like, what? Like, you know, it just wakes you up. And then I look and I see there was a car wreck. And that's what those guys were pulled over for. And it must have just happened. So, again, I was like. Ugh. And then the worst goes through your head. So for me, as I'm driving along, I slowly realize, oh, my gosh, that car wreck probably had just happened. And that's why these guys had just pulled over. And I hit something. And I don't know what it was because I didn't see it. I was looking to my right. Bodies can get thrown from cars or could have been on the side. Like, oh, my gosh. Like in my head, it was just like, oh. Oh my gosh, I think I did I hit somebody? Oh my gosh, like it's just, you know, all the adrenaline, everything running through like, you know, I'm going to jail. Oh my gosh, like I pull over as fast as I can. I'm breathing hard cuz I'm getting out to look. It was in the front uh left side or front driver's side of my vehicle. I hit something. And I'm just expecting, you know, to to be graphic, I'm expecting oh my gosh, what if there's like blood on my truck? Like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And I step out and I look at the truck and there's nothing, you know, and I must have just hit a piece of bumper or something like that. But you don't know. And it w- I'll tell you what, that completely woke me up for the rest of the drive. <laughs> I was wide awake. But I, I that was a scary feeling just because you don't know. I mean, it, it wasn't anything I did wrong. It was, you know, I was looking out to the right because there was flashing lights and all of a sudden, bam. And then the worst goes through your head. So uh, I don't recommend that either for staying awake, but it worked. It did the trick for me to stay awake for the last couple hours of the drive and, and be very alert from there. So anyway, that maybe maybe Daniel will edit that piece out that I almost became a uh, – I don't know if that's a felony or – I don't know how that would work. I, I was processing that in my brain. Like if you're driving along and you I, – I mean obviously if you hit somebody, it's your fault. But – um, all, all those scenarios went through my head of, I'm going to jail. <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh. I know what you did last summer. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, there's nothing like getting that blood flowing to really wake you up. And, and yeah, that's, that, that sounds like a horrible, scary experience. Um, yeah, yeah but well, all right. The, the road trip aside, um, let's hear about Tima, man. Yeah, so for me, I, I had a couple of expectations. I was really excited because this was my first one, and you know, you you have visions of what that might be. And for me, I was really excited to kind of connect with the the manufacturers, the people that make the stuff that you use. Right, that was really exciting to me to to get a chance to connect with them, to talk with them, to say, you know, here why they did X this way or that way and, and just connect in general. And then obviously I was excited to meet some of the kind of diving illuminaries that, that I really respect. 
and maybe they'd be there, maybe they wouldn't, but getting a chance to to connect with them. And then finally, you know, I wanted to experience the community, you know, that I was a newly christened pro and wanted to understand how that community felt and and what it felt like to be a part of that and all those things. And, and that made me really excited to, to go to DEMA because um, I just didn't know what to expect, but I had those expectations. The only caveat to that was, as I shared that I was going to be at DEMA with different people, I got a lot of feedback from, <clears throat> let's say, industry uh, veterans, a lot of different industry veterans that had kind of shared the sentiment that, oh, well, it's not what it used to be in different varying ways. But certainly that was the sentiment that it used to be great or it's what it's turned into. I don't like I'm not going. That was kind of the a lot of the veterans were saying that to me. And of course, I had no idea. I have nothing to compare it to. But my excitement was a little bit tempered with those comments from I mean, multiple people in the industry, whether it be manufacturers or veteran divers or veteran pros, um, there was a lot of that feeling going around and kind of looking at me, I think, with some, you know, oh, look at the naive kid who's going to go experience DEMA for the first time and is excited about it, right? So I don't know. I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, you know, if it was, was going to be great, if it was going to meet my expectations or not, or what was going to happen. But those were really my expectations. The other thing I was really excited about was while I was there, I was scheduled to take a, a, a technician class. So a regulator and gear technician class for a company called hog. And so I was really excited about that because I've been wanting to do that for like almost a year to, to really get into and be able to service my own regs and, and get, get my technical rating for that. And so that was exciting as well. So I had a lot of things kind of bubbled up, excited to, to meet with some manufacturers and the people that I dive and talk to them about their gear, excited to meet some of the, you know, luminaries and, and experience what the pro community was. I, you know, I really expected this camaraderie around being a pro and, and a shared experience and things like that. And I was excited to, finally have made it into those ranks and to see what that was like. So that were, those were my expectations. Yeah. So no, I I definitely kind of see that. And then like my initial thoughts are, you know, I, I can see like you were saying the veterans, like not liking what it's turned into or, or what it is now. So I almost kind of wonder you know, my questions are like, I wonder if it's that thing, you know, there's a lot of people reluctant to change out there. So they're just, you know, like to, to the newcomers, it might be the fun and exciting thing that might have that opinion later on of like, oh, you know, this is how it used to be. It was this fun and exciting thing. Um, or, you know, just the, the, cause I, I, I don't know. So I don't know. I've only been to one you know, I've been to ADEX and that was the only one that I've ever been to. And that's open to the public. It's not just a professional thing. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of, I, 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 it's curious, that's curious to, to, to hear that, that there's a lot of people that aren't really into it as much as they used to. But then again, I, you know, I can kind of see that if you've been going to the same thing for 15 years, you might just get kind of over it after time. Um, but no, I mean, I'm still excited to hear about your, you know, your actual take on it. But um, 
but yeah, I, I, I can kind of understand how people can get over it. But, you know, that might be I, I feel like there might be some bias there. But I don't know because I haven't been so. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, who who knows? I mean, we'll never know because you can you, you haven't experienced that. Right. So, you know, the the reality is that it's kind of like what you always hear in Austin. You know, Austin's great, but it's not what it used to be. You know, <laughs> right. People are definitely reluctant to change, but unfortunately, it's inevitable, folks out there. Change is inevitable. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's not to. Yeah, it's certainly not to to poo poo on anyone's parade and opinion of things, but at the same time, for someone that's new, I have no idea how to compare it to anything else. Like the only comparison point I have for a show like this is really the the conferences that I've been to for business and innovation stuff for, for my work, right? So that's really the only thing that I even can compare it to is is that sort of a feel or or thing. So I feel like I went in with with healthy expectations, not you know, I didn't expect it to be rainbows and and butterflies and unicorns and everyone's, you know, holding hands around the 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 maypole right but i did go in thinking hey i'm really excited to see kind of how dive gear and dive professionals are presented and how people react to each other in this community so whether that's that was naive probably um or not that's how i felt before i was i was heading down there to to check out dima because I know, too, uh, for some people, the because you know I've probably met maybe like a handful of people that have gone to DEMA. Um, what what is kind of cool, or what I've heard from certain people, it's kind of a it can be a reconnection of you know old old pals, old friends, people that you haven't seen because we definitely spoke about multiple times on the show how the dive industry is definitely like a very small group of people in the whole spectrum of things. And so it might be kind of cool for people to, to go there and meet up and, um, you know, Oh, I haven't seen you since last year's show. This is the only year that, you know, one time a year that we can get together because we make time in our schedules. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure cause I haven't experienced it myself. So. Yeah. Well, let's get into what, what the experience was. Um, so for me, you know, I have kind of three general thoughts that I, that I jotted down around this. So the first one is, is actually pretty cool. So I'm always wearing my diver's hat first, not my business hat in, in diving. Cause it's not my full-time business. Right. So I'm always a diver first and, and that's going to be what colors my, view of something. So from a diverse perspective, Dima is awesome. <laughs> Here's why. It's like a huge dive shop that has everything that you've only seen online that you can basically touch and feel and see. I mean, almost everything. It's not like you can go in and buy whatever it is there, but you can see it, experience it, touch and feel it. Things that, that you haven't really seen um, other than pictures of it online or, you know, if you go into a local dive store, they only carry X, Y, and Z brands um, or companies or whatever it might be. This is like just cruise around and you can check out 
everything. And so that was really, 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 really cool for me. At least I was kind of geeking out because I could go around and, oh, I've read about this or I saw this or I've heard about this thing. And now I can, you know, put my hands on it and talk to the people that made it. And of course, you know, they're kind of pitching you their two cents. That's what they're there for. But I'm cool with that um, because they're not really pressuring you to buy it right there. Right, their their goal is to get you to carry the line in the dive shop, not to necessarily buy the thing as it sits on the table. Can you buy so stuff at Dima? Really cool. So that's a good question. So yes, it depends. Every manufacturer is a little bit different. It seems like the trick is to wait till the last day of Dima, and then people want to offload things because they don't want to bring it back with them. Um, but I, I bought a few things while I was at DEMA. I bought um, – there's one one company who I'd found called A-plus Marine who I'd never heard of before. But they've got basically everything you need from a dive uh, shop perspective, you know, parts and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of like they're not, they're not the same as scuba tools in terms of, you know, they're not manufacturing tools, but they've got, you know <clears> – <throat> burst discs and this, that, and the other thing and all the, you know, hose and NPT routings for gas fills and whips and all this stuff. And just a lot of cool stuff that they have. Um, and they were certainly selling things at the, at the end that you could pull off the shelf, but most of it was not like show up and buy something. I would have to ask and say, Hey, do you have any that you're selling at the show? And most of the answers were, you know, go online and use this, this code to get it at the DEMA price or whatever it would be. So you can, and I bought, I bought some stuff from a plus Marine that I needed for the trip. I bought some weights cause you know, those guys don't want to carry all those weights. So they were having a great deal on some, some lead weights that I, I wanted. I bought a backpack from Dan that I've been wanting for a long time. Um, so they, they had one finally, it's always showed sold out, but a lot of it was not set up to like be a retail operation. A lot of it was more about, you know, showing it and getting an order for a shop than it was about selling to the individual people that were there. Um, so I guess, you know, I don't know if this is something you're going to jump to or come to. Um, were there any, any, you know, obviously, cause like Dima is a big, come out and, you know, showcase that new item for the year? Were there any standout items or kind of like, oh, that, that seems cool. Um, or, you know, that's, that's something different. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I just follow the social media posts. So I know from that standpoint, but I didn't know if there was anything, um, that like piqued your interest or you were like, oh, that's kind of something different. Yeah, I mean, we we'll, we can get into that for sure. I mean, I think <clears throat> there was nothing that blew me away, put it that way, to start with. Um, and not to say – and I don't think that there was anything that was there that there was a lot of crazy buzz about, right? Everything – there wasn't like that thing that everyone's like, oh, you got to go see the X, Y, or Z. There were certainly some things that I saw that – I thought were novel or unique or, or funny, you know, in some ways, um, there were certainly things that I saw that you go, huh? Um, you know, that's interesting, but 
But no, there wasn't anything that necessarily knocked my soul. I mean, there were a couple of things that I was really excited about. So I was there personally on a hunt for a new dry suit, right? So that was a, a lens that I had that I wanted to go talk to all the different dry suit manufacturers and, you know, get their two cents of why they're their thing and then talk to other divers about their use of that thing and so on and so forth. And I was also very selfishly, you know, trying to figure out how do I, as an independent instructor or independent pro, um, how do I connect with them to help my students, you know, purchase their stuff? If they want to want to get their stuff, how do I do that, right? As an independent that I don't have a brick and mortar. So those are the conversations I was having. So the, the things that stuck out to me, I have a little highlights list. And then we can come back to maybe the state of the community was was the other thought I had to share. So the first thing that really stood out to me was um, the the Fathom CCR. So I, I've been looking at potentially going that route, um, uh, you know, within the next couple of years, going to the rebreather. And I really don't know a ton about rebreathers. So I don't, I couldn't tell you, here's how you compare X to Y and Z other than regurgitating what other people might have said, right? So I, I think that's fair because I don't have any experience. You can't. But I wanted to check out the different rebreathers and, you know, kind of how they talked about the features and how they talked about the usage of their units and why their units were different from other units and so on and so forth. So the one that really stood out to me in those conversations was the the Fathom. So shout out to Charlie and his team. Um, the Fathom CCR, they were showing the new Gemini, which is a, a side mount CCR. Um, and looks awesome, but there also had the uh, MK 2.5 there, which is their back-mounted version. And just listening to those guys talk about their unit and why they designed it the way they did, and I got a really cool opportunity to listen to our training director and um, the founder of Fathom go back and forth a little bit about you know our <clears throat> our UTD's version of a rebreather course and and how they felt about it and how the fathom would fit into that and, and things like that. And so I felt really lucky to be a part of that. I wasn't a part let's to listen to that conversation. So I don't know what I'm talking about there. Um, but I was really excited about it. It looks amazing. The, the Gemini looks great and sounds great. And I was, I had just had a lot of respect walking away from those conversations about how those guys were approaching the development of their rebreather. So that was one that stood out to me that, you know, eventually I think when I go down that route, that's going to be a, a serious contender for me in terms of which CCR unit to, to get or which rebreather to get. And, uh, and I just had a lot of, of, of respect for what Charlie and his team are working on and how they're thinking about the rebreather uh, development of, of their particular units. So that was a good one. Which one uh, are you looking at the the back mount or the side mount? Man, that's a it's a tough call. Both. Now, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, you'd have both because they could be tools for different things. When I'm looking at them, I mean, the back mount unit just fits so well into the the way that I dive already, right? So, you know the the transition from back mounted doubles 
open circuit to their MK 2.5, I think would be relatively seamless from a, from a diving perspective, right? Obviously there's a lot of knowledge perspective that needs to, to come with that transition, but it's just so aligned already. And, and purposely so, right. Is the, is the way that, that they've designed that unit. The, the Gemini unit, I, I mean, it looked awesome and that could go the exact same way, right? Um, looks pretty seamless in terms of integration. Two of the, the the canisters on the side, like a, like two side mount um, bottles already, and could be great. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know exactly where I would go, and I'd have to do more research and really talk to them and figure out exactly what I'm going to be doing with the rebreather to make that decision. But both of them looked pretty awesome. And, the, you know, right now, if I had to twist my arm and say which one would I lean towards, I'm not even close to that decision, right? Both financially and, and in my diving, I'm not ready for that, uh, to, to move in that direction just yet. But I would probably say the MK 2.5 just because it, it just looks so seamless as a transition for me um, in terms of the diving. But also the Gemini looks awesome and it has got nothing but rave reviews from people that I've talked to about it. So either or, or both. Adam, if you're out, <laughs> hey, Charlie, if you're out there, you want me to, uh, to you want us to try them out? Let us know. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, so I did see a little bit of the, the, the fathom, I think the, the Gemini you were saying sidewinder. Um, I was seeing some posts on it on social media. Um, and, and to be honest too, I, I don't know much about rebreathers. And when I was able to go to ADEX, I was, it was actually really cool. One of the gentlemen from, uh, Divesoft Liberty gave me like a whole rundown on, you know, how the rebreathers work, this and that. And it was actually like very informative. I, you know, shout out to him. It was super cool. Um, so thank you for doing that. And, uh, that, that was, I think one of the kind of appealing things, you know, not that I'm in the market. I'm definitely not in the market for a rebreather. And and if, you know, maybe five, 10 years from now, that might be a different story. Um, but just the type of diving I do, I just don't see the need for it. But um, uh, no, it was really cool to see the Liberty. And, and I think one of the appeals to the Liberty as a side mount diver is it kind of replaces one of your tanks, you know, on your side. And then also, um, I believe I might be totally wrong. So I apologize if I'm getting this wrong is that you can um you can you can use the same rebreather and just change the configuration and put it as a back mount rebreather which I thought was pretty cool. I don't know if other rebreathers are doing that. Um cuz I I know on the Liberty there's definitely some people that I've seen dive that um that well respected super cool, you know, videos I've seen out there but that's as far as my knowledge goes. So it was just really really uh, informative, I thought, to be able to kind of sit in and have someone actually explain to me. Um, no, it's always cool to see because the the side mount rebreather from Fathom, that's like a fairly new thing, correct? Like that's that's like very new, um, which is, you know, always kind of see that. It's always great to see that innovative, um, just new designs, things that are, you know, out there, the, the, new, the new thing on the market, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So that was a highlight. Uh, another fun little highlight, and this sounds silly, but um, is scuba virtual reality. Oh, I've seen so that. So there was a, <laughs> a company there that 
Um, you know, I think he's based in San Diego and he had built a virtual reality scuba experience as well as a scuba game, a, a PC game for scuba. And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this is novel and interesting. Let's let's try it out. So we sat in the chair and and put the VR mask on. And, you know, I have to say it was very enjoyable. It was it was very immersive where you felt like, you know, wow, I actually am under the water. And it was it was funny. It was fun. I mean, I think right now where they're at in their development, it's kind of the same dive over and over again. Um, but there are some changes and things that might be surprised, uh, you know, get a surprise on. But in one hand, you had your <clears throat> SPG and your depth gauge. And the other hand, you had a little dive light that you could trigger on and trigger off so you could shine at things, you know, that you were seeing. And I found it to be uh, to be fun and novel and, you know, silly and something that could be cool to, to uh, whoa, um, to uh, for my girls. <laughs> My sorry, my desk just decided to move up on me. So uh, sorry about that. If you're watching the video, all of a sudden my microphone just started levitating, which is pretty good. Uh, anyways, so I I thought that was cool, and who knows? I mean, it was just an interesting thing to see, and I I enjoyed the little game. So scuba VR, uh, you know, scuba in the what is it? The metaverse is that what the <laughs> the new Facebook thing the, is? The so. metaverse, yes. Uh, no, and, and, you know, that's actually raises a very good point because, you know, that's definitely a, a topic that comes up quite a bit is technology. I mean, we've talked about it here on the podcast a bunch is technology and scuba and to kind of see what direction it's going to end up going into. And I, I, I want to say I've seen like the, I, I saw something on the VR thing, which I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because you can, you know, not you, you can't really show somebody the experience but if you know you can go and show someone this amazing dive site in the galapagos that might pique an interest or spark an interest i should say for someone that doesn't have an interest in scuba diving but they're like man i would love to see this in real life and because i've done the vr things where you know you could be in the comfort of your own home but you're in Bangkok, Thailand, or you're in the middle of Singapore, or you're, you know, in the standing on a pyramid in the middle of Egypt. And it kind of makes you almost want to be like, I need to actually go here and check this out and actually see this in real life. So um, it's kind of a, a, a curious thing. So I kind of wonder where, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, that's kind of always a thought, whereas technology and scuba, you know, cause they're just converging on multiple platforms. Um, but that's kind of cool, you know, especially like you were saying to, to introduce that to your kids or something, you know, to be like, Oh, you know, like, could you imagine going to a, a dive site that you absolutely love? let's say Windy Point Lake Travis and then have it be in VR, you know, (laughs) and then just say, Hey, this is actually what I experienced. This is some, obviously not Windy Point Lake Travis, but you know, say you're like, Hey, this is a dive site in the Red Sea that I've been to and to Dora, man. Yeah. You know, just to be able to, to introduce that to a family member or, you know, just to say, Hey, like I've actually been here. This is absolutely amazing. Cause um, that, that VR gets kind of crazy. I've seen people just fall over cause they just get like really into it. And I'm just like, man, this might be kind of cool. Um, to people that might not even necessarily be able to dive, but in a sense they can kind of experience it in a weird 
different type of way, you know? So, um, that's cool though. I actually, that is kind of a novel thing, but that's actually something that's, that's kind of cool to, uh, to think about. Yeah. I, I thought it was good. Uh, and it was, it was fun. What I, was yeah, the dive site? What was, the, what was the dive site? Like, what was it? Oh, I don't know. I, I, he told me and then I completely forgot. Like so ocean, if, if you're out there listening to this, it was ocean and you know, it was a reef, um, with with some decorations and things and little swim throughs and things, but he said it was based on a real dive site. I just I forgot the name of it. You could look up and see the boat, you know, following oh, you along type of thing. Awesome. And yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I you do lose yourself for a moment in it, but I mean, again, that it was novel. I don't know the use of it yet, but you see some of these things where you. you I was talking to our training director after that about you know I wonder. I wonder how that sort of technology will be integrated into training uh, eventually, right? Uh, I, will it be? And if so, how? And those sorts of things. And it's fun to kind of play those mental games. Who knows, right? Because there is so much of scuba that is, you know, muscle memory and, you know, physical and and mental and situational awareness skills that – what part does a virtual reality training have to play? And, and you would say the same thing if you thought, you know, reversed, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. And you said you're going to do online education for academics. People would say, oh, well, it has no place in, you know, you have to be in the classroom. These are really, you know, tough concepts. We can't, you know, do that. Um, and now it's just commonplace to do your academics online, right? So who knows? Who knows what that's that's going to look like? But I, I found it to be pretty cool that there's a, a company. And I wish I remember his name. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, unfortunately. But shout out to him. Uh, he built the whole thing himself based in San Diego. And <clears throat> who knows where that goes? I mean, you know, we're probably in 10 years to be saying, oh, of course we train with virtual reality <laughs> uh, because that's the best way to do it or whatever, right? So Probably the uh, as safest of today, for it's sure. kind of novel. I, uh, I, well, that's true. Yeah, I was Other thinking, than falling out of your chair. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I was just thinking it's almost like uh, uh, a Black Mirror episode mixed with – I cannot remember you because you, you're you're better with the, the, the animated film because you have kids. But there's like some – like cartoon out there where everyone just sits around and they're like watching videos, like VR headsets and they're like chairs or whatever. It's some like some animated film. I can't remember what it is. Uh, and then oh, yeah. they, they like, and then at the end of the movie, they like break free and actually go outside and do things, you know, oh, what was that movie? I can't remember what it is. Um, Wasn't it Wally? It Was it Wally? I can't remember. No, oh, I have no idea, but I just, I, it, it is interesting to see where it will go. And, and, you know, just like anything, like there, there might be some cool aspects of it. Just, could you imagine though, like a guy sitting on his couch, putting his regulator in breathing and then doing that? <laughs> No kidding. Uh, I mean, I, I mean who knows? really immerse yourself in that experience. Like, you know, like, oh, man, I can't go on the dive trip this month. I'm getting my VR in. <laughs> you, you know, it's real when you pee your couch because yeah. you think you're wearing a wetsuit. 
<laughs> Gotta wear those adult diapers. Hold on, honey. I'm going diving on the couch. Oh, that's hilarious. No, just the uh, many different you avenues that you could go down that. But no, that's that. I mean, you know, it, it is novel, but I can almost see the, the cool thing uh, that could be done with that. I think that's cool, though, to, you know, strap that on like a four-year-old, five-year-old and let them just immerse themselves and be like, this is what it is. You know, especially me, you know, me, I love the 30 foot reef. So I'd sit on my couch all day long. Hold on, hold on. I'm watching my TV show, Red Sea. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. There's gotta be some application. So I I thought that was cool and we'll see where, where that ends up. Right. Cause I think that was an interesting thing. Um, couple other ones for me personally I, I had a really good time hanging out with the light monkey folks so shout out to Corey and amanda um man i i just have a lot of respect for what they do and ha- it was so cool man I, I i talk about community you know when you're at dima you have a name badge so you're wearing a little name badge and i went walking up to the the light monkey booth to to go and hang out for a little bit and literally Amanda was there and comes walking up to me and I start to open my mouth because months and gosh, almost a year ago, I bought um, my light from them and it's been an awesome light. And with my light, I bought a little black light monkey t-shirt, right? I was like, yeah, I'll, I don't, I'm going to use this light. I'll sport their, their logo and wear it at the dive sites and on the boats and things. And, um, and I got a message, you know, a year ago, hey, we're out of black t-shirts. Do you want a camo one or a green one or whatever they had? I'm like, no, I want a black one. <laughs> when you get them in, ship them, ship me one, you know? And so they shipped me a couple other things to make up for the t-shirt, but said, hey, we're gonna, as soon as we get them in, we're going to ship them to you. So long story, a little bit longer. I go walking up at Dima to the Light Monkey booth. And literally, I was going to ask them, "Hey, did you did you guys have any black T-shirts?" Like, and tell her the story or tell them the story about you know the thing, whatever. And I literally go to open my mouth, and this lady Amanda, who who is awesome, uh, who I've talked to on the phone a few times, just goes, "I'm so sorry, Jay, we don't have them." And I was like, "Wait, how did you know what I was going to ask? Like, there's thousands of people in here, and you read my name tag." She goes, "Oh yeah." Um, she says, your name is on a sticky note on my computer at my desk and I owe you a t-shirt and I knew I was going to see you at some point and I was ready. And she said, I don't have them right now. As soon as I get them, I'm shipping it to you. You're first on my list, all this stuff. And I just thought like in, in this day and age, which is an old man saying, but still in this day and age to have someone from a manufacturer, remember your name and know the story was just awesome. And so uh, I have a lot of respect for what Light Monkey does in terms of their equipment manufacturing and, and how they approach things. I think that they're a a divers first company, which is saying something from what I experienced at Dima. Um, and then to have that personal touch and that memory and 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 that care was just great. And we we chatted for a long time just about light configurations and what they're working on and how they approach their manufacturing process and. And all these sorts of things. Um, and so shout out to, to Corey. Shout out to Amanda from Light Monkey. Really enjoyed my time with you guys. And uh, and just enjoy that company in general. What they, what they stand for and what they're doing. But I thought that was a kind of a cool story. Of that experience while I was at DEMA. No, that's awesome. I uh, So I don't personally own 
any light monkey products. Uh, it's products that I definitely know I will be purchasing um, here in the near future. Um, and to be honest, if any of you folks at Light Monkey are listening to this, um, it's 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 a little bit hard to find your product in Malaysia. Um, so what like my workaround from that is I'll probably end up getting stuff sent to somebody I know in the States, <laughs> Jay, and or maybe Daniel, and um, <laughs> having them, you know, ship it out here. And I do know that because uh, I've I've um, reached out to a couple of folks, but uh, I don't necessarily know if there's a light monkey dealer in Malaysia um, or if they have they they didn't have the products that I wanted. Um, and so I started looking outbound, you know, Singapore, Singapore has quite a few products, Thailand, Thailand has some stuff. Um, but as far as Malaysia, I was like, man, I, you know, these couple of items, I would really love to have these items. Um, so if anybody from light monkey is out there, uh, please let me know. I would love to buy some of your products here in Malaysia. Um, and I, and I don't know the logistics cause I know, um, shipping things here isn't the the cheapest or easiest um so definitely uh i would love 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 if if we could work something out just because uh you know it's it's obviously malaysia is a great place to dive but uh i i can't get some of the products out there so um light monkey um and i might call some of you other brands out out there I would love to to get some of your products uh, um, just because, you know, I'm obviously still trying to grow my my diving and I really love your products. So uh, give me a shout out, Nick, at the dive table. I know you're listening. And if you're not, you should be. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But um, no, I, I am absolutely loving what I'm hearing from from the Dima show and uh it seems you know you from from the the things that you were telling me about you know i'm kind of getting this sense of there was this other side to dima that uh you want to speak about so let's 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 hear about it you know because it's always interesting to hear yeah so a few more shout outs before i go into the other side of it but it is you know really enjoyed um also the the hog uh regulator and service technician course. Uh, so shout out to Jack and Bob from hog. Just, a, a, it was a very thorough full day course. I mean, it was a full, full day, but very thorough and informative and learned a ton and feel really confident now in the servicing of my gear. So that was a great experience <clears throat> in terms of the learning and things like that. So, um, if you're not familiar, Hog uh, is highly optimized gear, and they provide the opportunity for you as kind of the lay uh, diver or pro to learn how to service your own regulators or, or Hog regulators and gear. And it's a very thorough class, and they actually certify you through uh, TDI and through Hog to then service your gear. And then we'll sell you, obviously, the service parts for that. So really enjoyed that class. You don't have to be a, a pro technician to take that class, um, but it was very informative. Learned a ton, um, and we'll apply it almost immediately. We'll start servicing my stuff and 
And obviously, and then they have a great support system for you as you're a new technician working on this stuff to be able to, you know, actually call Jack directly uh, and and talk about some, you know, problems that you ran into or things that you did or or those things. So that was a huge, awesome experience for me. We could probably talk about that on a different show at some point, the whole idea of, of servicing gear and the education required for that. Um, a couple other shout outs to uh, DUI. So um, really enjoyed getting to meet Tor and the team there. And obviously Jack and I, I'm excited to be a part of the DUI team. So I will be a, a an official, um, I think, um, part of the key man program that they have there. And so excited to to meet them, chat with them. They're from San Diego. We had a lot of uh, a lot of great stories to share back and forth about diving and and San Diego and all that stuff. So uh, I think uh, I have found my dry suit. Uh, I'm excited about that and and to order that and a new dry suit. And I just had a lot of uh, a lot of good feelings about how they're approaching building their their suits. So shout out to Jack. Shout out to Tor. And then, uh, yeah, last little shout out to the UTD family. Uh, was really excited to meet Po Cheng, who was there all the way from Singapore. You're part of the world there, Nick, and uh, got a chance to chat with him and and hear kind of some of his exploits and just a sweet, amazing man and uh, and so welcoming to me uh, and to Tanya as well, who's the uh, the co owner, I think, of Submerged Inc up in Maryland and got to meet her and hang out with her. And obviously Ben Boss and, and Jeff Seckendorf both had talks at the technical um, stage, I think, and was, was great to hang out with all of them and get to know them better. And, you know, outside of the water, just in, in a, in a diving show. So, so yeah. And then one last funny, well, maybe I'll hold the funny story for the end. Um, so I think no, that's, that's all the shout outs I had uh, <laughs> f- for everybody there. No, that's awesome. Uh, so same thing with Hog. I do not own any of their equipment. I've known of them for quite a while, obviously. And uh, I know a lot of people are very happy with their products. So that's that's awesome that, you know, you had a great experience with them over there. Um, and as, uh, so I, and, and obviously Hog's probably something I'll, I'll venture into here at some point in my diving career. Uh, DUI also as well. That's awesome. That's a dry suit that I've been kind of after for quite a while. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things from them customer service wise. Uh, just, you know, I really excited to kind of see your, your, uh, you know, your journey with them just because, um, you know, they're hands down probably, I, I, I can't say from experience cause I've never owned a DUI, but just from, um, you know, talking to a lot of people, I know that those are very, very good dry suits. Uh, and no, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you had a great time there making networking because, you know, the scuba industry is definitely small. So you gotta, gotta network out there, you know, um, because it's, we're, we're this small little family in the whole spectrum of things. So it's definitely nice to be able to meet some of these folks that you actually, in it, you know, that, influence you in one way or another, right? Whether you're buying their product or you're dealing with them on a customer service standpoint. Uh, so that, that's awesome that, you know, you could do that at DEMA. 
because that's that's a great platform to be able to to reach out and actually because it's one thing to be able to to talk to somebody virtually but to be able to actually like handshake and face to face that's something that you know in this social media world that we're in these days it's kind of something that you're losing um i feel so it's nice to be able to actually meet people face to face rather than an email or a phone call or a video chat um, so that's awesome. No, I'm, I'm glad that, that a lot of that stuff worked out. Yeah. So to, to kind of wrap this episode up <clears throat> before I tell the, the last funny story, which I thought was kind of fun, but you know, the, the other side of the, the coin here is, yeah, it's amazing to connect with, with folks. Um, and like you say, to be able to see face to face who they are and, and how, you know, they, they present themselves and things like that was great. And there are some highlights of the people that I, I mentioned already that I really enjoyed getting to know and, and chatting with and hope, hope to continue the relationship with, with those folks. Um, the, the flip side of the coin is, you know, like I mentioned in the very beginning of this episode, part of my expectation was I was really excited to kind of see the state of the pro community that, that, you know, how, how is this as a community? Because it's, you know, different than just the the divers on a boat community. It's it's the professionals in the industry. So so there's got to be, in my mind, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of, you know, shared whatever experience and and goodwill and those things. Uh, and and these are the manufacturers who are selling to these pros and to dive shop owners. And you know, there's got to be some level of a community here. And, you know, I will not go out and say by any means that there isn't. I will simply say that at DEMA, at least, I didn't find it. <laughs> so it may exist, but it it was not, I couldn't find it at DEMA. So how it felt to me was just, you know, people in their own corners, in their own worlds, in their own booths, in their own side of things. And, very much so a competition rather than a camaraderie. And I found that to be interesting. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. There are the scuba industry small. Uh, there are lots for the scuba industry being so small. There are lots of manufacturers and, and people that are doing a lot of the same things we'll say, or at least producing the same things with, with slight variations. But I did find it interesting how it felt segmented um, or or secluded each one was rather than this shared sense of, yeah, we, we might be competitors, but there's a shared sense that we're divers first. And for some of the companies, I got that sense. Um, but the overall feeling, at least at DEMA, and again, this is me me adding my two cents of, of things, um, my observations. I didn't get that uh, that sense of of a shared camaraderie um, and a shared ethos and pathos and, and and for being divers first. I got a big sense of we're competitors first, and then we we diver second. So that was interesting to me. And I, again, I don't know if that's you know what it should be and that's how it's always been i don't know if that's what some of the old timers were talking about that dima is not what it used to be 
Um, I don't know if, you know, my lofty expectations of, of goodwill and, and peace on earth for all were too much, <laughs> you know, like, but I get it at the end of the day, uh, these manufacturers are running a business and they need to be able to pay the bills and pay their employees. And so, you know, I think that that realistically has to come first. But I was surprised that I just didn't get a sense at all for that welcoming community. Hey, like we're all in this together thing. It was, it was much more I'm in my world and need to defend my, my fiefdom more than, hey, you know, we're all part of the same community, but in my fiefdom, we do things a little bit differently here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it disappoints me. Maybe I had too high of an expectation, but that was certainly my sense of the state of community in terms of the pros. And, and again, I could be completely wrong, and Deem is not the place to have that. And, you know, there's a different experience somewhere out there. But, uh, but that's at least how I experienced Demo was very, very closed. You know, you had to really work and, and there were a lot of pissing contests that I observed and, and heard and, and even was a part of a, a couple of them around just proving your right to even have an opinion. And I think that that's a dangerous place to be as an industry um, because, you know, you start to, to work through being a gatekeeper for who's good enough and who's not. Um, rather than focusing on that shared community and shared aspect of of the passion of, of this uh, sport or activity or whatever you want to call it, however you land on calling it a sport or activity or recreational, you know, hobby, whatever you want to call it. You know, I think that there are a lot of people are very, very passionate about diving. And I think when we approach from a closed gate perspective, who's can be in and who cannot be in, um, I think that's that can be a little scary because you 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 quash people's passion and and you you start to become an echo chamber rather than um, an evolution of of the the sport activity recreational um, hobby of of diving. So that's my two cents. Maybe I'm a little soapboxy right now, but that was a bit disappointing, uh, and and it was something that. Just like the VR, we want to keep a keep a tab on, and I think that's what part of why we started this show, in a lot of ways, was to try and break down some of that those walls and those, you know, defenses that that people have around their thing in diving. And uh, I, I saw it very clearly at Dima that that those walls are, are very strong in, in some ways and, and very entrenched. And you know, people are people. That's how we operate, but but I expected a little bit different um, when it came to diving and, and did not experience that. So <clears throat> that's a very, very interesting take. Um, once again, I have not been to DEMA, so I don't know the whole business standpoint. I have been to ADEX and I can definitely kind of see that there was definitely, you know, a, uh, there, there, there was that there was apparent that there was that, um, so I, I don't know from a standpoint as we're coming at this from a business aspect. And, you know, I I will definitely agree with you. It's something that I have experienced in the industry um, where there is this sort of business mindset, um, you know, don't take plate or don't take food off of my plate mentality. Um, 
But on the opposite side of that, I have seen, you know, from the actual just diver standpoint, this like camaraderie, you know, the community that's been built through uh, the dive table, like the Tuesday night dives, like people just coming together and going diving when it's not great. Um, I've, I've felt this sense of community in places that I've been diving where, um, you know, nobody out there necessarily has an agenda. So we're just all out here for a love of diving. And, you know, that, that's something that does draw me in because I've, you know, made friendships of people that I might not even necessarily be friends with unless it was diving, but we had this common bond that brought us together. Um, and now I have great friendships with these individuals. Um, so I, I, but I don't, I mean, like, I, I don't want to say I don't know, but I have seen it a little bit from the business side of it. Um, but I hope that doesn't, you know, deter anybody from coming into the diving community just because, um, there is a sense of community, but maybe it's where you're placed or where you put yourself in that situation, I guess. Um, because as far as like coming in, just a person that's coming in and diving there, you know, I don't have a product to sell. I don't have an agenda. Um, I've, I've definitely felt a great sense of community at times, but 100%, I completely understand where you're coming from because I've seen it firsthand and, and it's not a pretty thing. It's something that, you know, um, it's kind of a bummer sometimes because we do all have this love, but I guess the the human factor comes into play of just trying, especially when business and money is involved, it becomes a very, very different subject. Um, so, uh, no, I'm, I'm uh, that, that's kind of a bummer to hear. Um, I mean, even, even in ADEX, I did experience, not experience it firsthand, but, um, you know, not... ADEX was an amazing time, so I'm not trying to to harp on that whole event in, in any situation. But, I mean, there was, you know, a fist fight that broke out between two different individuals. Uh, someone's nose got broken. Cops got called. Ambulance got called. You know, just a horrible situation. You're like, you know, why is this happening? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we have to remember that there are big personalities in any aspects of life. And then when you get especially into diving and the avenues that you can get into, there's some big personalities. And then when you have business and money involved, it becomes like this whole separate thing. Um, and it's kind of a bummer that, you know, things like that happen, but if anything, it makes for a good story. <laughs> so I'll remember that first ADEX, uh, uh, experience, just not, I definitely not, from the fist fight that happened for other reasons, but it's a, uh, it's a nice little, you know, cherry on top of this experience that I had cherry on top of the Sunday. Uh, but no, it's kind of a bummer to hear that. And, and to be honest, uh, it's not surprising um, to hear something like that, but it's definitely uh, not something that you want to hear. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this one up on a, on a positive note. So I have one more fun story. So uh, we went around and you can check this out at the UTD podcast and UTD UT, YouTube channel. But we went around and did a um, the most obscure items at DEMA uh, segment, which was quite a fun. So me and, me and Ben, the training director, went around and did this. Maybe we can repost it to our stuff as well or, or launch it as, a, as an episode here. But um, – but uh, we, you know, we went around trying to find the most obscure things that 
that piqued our interest at Demon. And it wasn't to, you know, go and make fun of these things. It was really, this This seems obscure. Let's hear the story. So Scuba VR was on that list, right, as we walked around. And it turned out to be an awesome experience, right? Um, but my favorite one, I have to say, came back down to this uh, you know, as we were walking around, there was this booth with all of these stickers and they're about the size of a stamp, a U.S. stamp. So if you know what that size is, I don't, I don't know, an inch by an inch or something like that, uh, about that size. Stickers, 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 stickers everywhere spread out across the table um, in these sheets of stickers with different fish. And like, oh, we got to check this out. So we went over and talked to the person that was at the booth, said, tell us all about what this is. And the idea behind it was, hey, when you're doing your dive log, your physical dive log, when you spot a fish, you know, that that you saw or things that you saw on that, you can pull the sticker off and stick it into your, your dive log. I'm like, oh, that's kind of novel. It's kind of cool. Like I, I get it for people that are really into that. You know, they don't have to go and do the fish ID and write it down. They, they say, oh, I saw this fish and they can stick it in there. Right. And I think that they had them organized by potentially where, you know, different regions and things. I'm not quite sure how the, you know, there are a lot of fish in the sea, so I don't know how like, you organize that out. But it, it, there's some method to that. Oh, okay. That I understand. I understand what you're trying to do and, and what's going on. And I just started kind of flipping through the stickers and the fish and fish and fish and fish. And then all of a sudden, there's like this whole section of cartoon looking like 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 Sunday Funnies cartoon drawings of divers. And they're in different things. And the one that caught my eye was this really fat diver trying to get into a wetsuit that's clearly too small for him. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So is is the story here that you have all these other sheets of divers that if you see this in your dive trip, you get to put the sticker in your dive book? And the lady was like, yeah. So I'm like, wait, so if I see a diver that's too fat for their wetsuit, but they're trying to put it on. I then go over to your sticker book. I take that sticker out and I put it in my dive book. And I said, I saw that today. She said, yeah, that's exactly the idea. And I lost it laughing. I just think that's so freaking funny, right? So I had to go and investigate all the different cartoon drawings. So I'll just give you the top the top three here. Obviously, the diver too fat for the wetsuit is pretty darn funny. Uh, and something that you you – conceivably we'll see on a dive trip, right? Not to, not to pick on anybody, but that's, that's probably something you're going to see on, on a dive trip or in a dive site, right? The next one was, I found pretty funny was, um, Deco. So it was this aging diver who had grown, you know, <laughs> gray hair, everything was falling apart, sitting on the line, doing his, his Deco or her, her Deco obligation, which I thought was kind of funny where you look like an old decrepit one. But the number one thing that I saw that, that still to this day um, makes me laugh and, I, and I'm searching for it now. On every dive, I will be looking for this particular experience was they had a cartoon of a diver shooting a back, shooting an SMB, DSMB. So they're shooting the back. But if you look at the picture above them, they're shooting the SMB into the center of a jellyfish. <laughs> I said, you know what? If I ever see that, that is worth a freaking sticker. So now anytime that I shoot an SMB, I'm going to be trying to aim it at a jellyfish. If I know there are jellyfish up there, I'm going to try to shoot it into a jellyfish. Because if I can win that, 
I get that sticker in my dive book and I think that that would be a uh, be, be a worthy thing. So um, <laughs> there are many other ones that were really funny, uh, but but the, the shooting an SMB into a jellyfish, it's not just shooting a bag, it's into a jellyfish, certainly was uh, was one of the highlights of the, the funnies for me. And and now I'll be forever looking for that experience until until I see it. So I I will uh, be honest with you. Um, that That's actually kind of uh, – I, I like that idea of the stickers in the dive log just because – um, that, that to me is one of my favorite, absolutely favorite times after going on a dive is you come back, you're filling out your dive log with the group of people that you just went with and you're, you're trying to figure out the fish that you saw or, or, or not necessarily the fish, but the one fish that you saw, you're like, what is that? And you start to grab the book and you're trying to figure it out. Um, and some of these names, sometimes you're like, man, I'm not gonna remember, but to have a sticker would be actually really cool. I think that could be like a very cool community building uh, event, you know, around the end of a dive. Um, that's actually, that's actually kind of a, a, a good, I, I like that idea. I think that's really, really cool just because, um, you know, the, the, the dive log is a, uh, it's a Bible for some people, you know, and it becomes to me, it's, that's my, literally my favorite part of going on a dive trip is coming back at the end of the dive going to, you know, us, we would go to the bar and uh, there was one we had deco bar and then you just bust your dive logs out. You grab a beer and you just fill out the dive logs because you're done diving for the day. And to be able to actually have stickers would be kind of cool. And then I do like, you know, if, if I'll give this one to anybody out there, if you've been on a dive with me, you can get the fat guy putting on the wetsuit because that's usually me. So trying to squeeze into that wetsuit, wondering why this wetsuit shrank from last year. Um, so but no, I actually that that that's kind of a cool thing. I I do uh, think that would be a very cool concept, especially because um, you know it's it's kind of just a not camaraderie, but just a, a a fun thing to do after a dive, like grabbing that beer, drink, soda, whatever, water um, with your fellow dive buddies that you just met, and being like, oh, I got this sticker, I got that sticker, let's do this. Um, that's kind of cool. I, I I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. So here you go. I, I found it. So it's um, eu dot dive dash sticker dot com. So that's eu dot dive dash sticker dot com. If you want to check it out um, and and see what they're all about. So that was a really fun one for me, and again, a novel thing that I didn't expect. And look at that. Now Nick's probably going to go on there and buy himself some stickers. And now that I'm looking at the the website, like if looking at the website, yeah, they do. There's Bonaire, Maldives, um, Treasure of the Adri- Adriatic. Probably got Southeast Asia somewhere. I don't, yeah, I don't see Southeast Asia, but Damn. you you know you can hit them up. And then the comic ones. There's the Red Sea. There it is the Red Sea. So there you go. That's how they're organizing it. They need to have ones uh, for nudie nudie branks. That would be really cool because. That is like my favorite, favorite thing to do uh, is to go and spot nudie ranks out on dives just because it's a, uh, they're, they're such a weird looking slugs. Well, there you go. You, you should hit them up. I will 100%. And, um, tell them. Oh, there is one Philippines. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Philippines. There you go. I'm quite excited because <clears throat> I will be out there. Uh, I will be out there. So I'm quite excited for that. There you go. Well, cool. Um, so that's DEMA 2022. Next year, DEMA will be in New Orleans, at least here in the States. 
Uh, I am planning on going again, uh, again to, to see how things go and, and all that. But, um, but shout out to, to Dima and all the folks that participated and, and I was glad to be a part of the, the show for uh, my first one. Awesome. No, that was the, I really, really appreciate the, the information from somebody that has not been, it's kind of cool to hear about the new things just because I was able to see stuff on social media, but actually not there in person. And uh, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe next year they'll, there will be a different take on, on, you know, maybe it'll change your, uh, some of the point of views or some of the views that you you had on the next one. Um, maybe I'll try to make that next one. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, is it's next November, you said? Yeah, I think it'll be next November. I haven't seen the dates yet, but it'll be in New Orleans and should be pretty fun. Cool. I'm definitely hitting up some of the shows out here. Uh, I know that there's an ADEX in March and April out in Singapore again, which I'm really excited to go. And then they have quite a few events out here. So I'm definitely going to try to check out some of those events. Um, but yeah, maybe I should, you know, plan my, my next trip back to the States, uh, around Dima would be quite fun, but I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a fan of that cold weather. So, uh, New Orleans might not be too bad though, but you know, got to fly into Texas. So we'll see what happens. That's right. Well, good. Well, if you enjoyed the episode, we invite you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify or Apple or any of the other ones, Stitcher, but subscribe so that you get notified when new episodes drop. And you can reach Nick and I uh, and connect with us via an email or a voicemail or whatever, you know, carrier pigeon, starfish at thedivetable.com. That's thedivetable.com. Uh, we invite you to jump onto that and, and check us out, connect with us. And as always, we invite you to join one of our dive clubs. So our exclusive and all-inclusive um, dive clubs. Uh, yeah, they they uh, join a dive club, become a part of this community, become a part of what we're trying to build here and do here would be great. So thanks for joining us today out there in the Scoobiverse. And we hope to have you back on the next episode of The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.